This season of The Ready State is sponsored by ButcherBox. Yeah, you know, we have been, we get asked a lot about nutrition. A couple things. One, your tissue quality is directly impacted by the quality of things you eat, unequivocally. And I think we can pretty much boil down all of the uh, information I know about nutrition into one sentence. Don't eat like an asshole. Here's the deal with ButcherBox. We've used it. We love it. You get a box of super beautiful grass-fed or finished beef, free-range chicken, and old-world pork, whatever that is. <laughs> it's like vintage pork. No, no. But here's the deal. I love bacon. You love bacon. Use our link. We'll get you $20 off and get some free bacon. And it's 9 to 11 pounds of meat for $129 a month, which is less than $6 a meal. I mean, forever we have been saying you should probably eat like a vegan plus the best meat you can afford. Vegan plus meat. And guess what? ButcherBox is that. It's, it's amazing. You like meat and want to avoid eating like an asshole and you love free bacon, go to butcherbox.com slash the ready state and you'll get $20 off and free bacon. No brainer. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And this is The Ready State. You got it! You better stop it! You got it! I am so excited to have George St. Pierre, also known as stop, GSP. Stop, stop. Who isn't excited to hang out and chat and with GSP? Seriously, he almost requires no introduction. Um, but if you actually have, are, are one of the two people on earth who haven't heard of him, he is two-time welterweight UFC champion of the world. And then just last year in 2017, he became the middleweight UFC champion of the world. I was there at that fight. It blew my mind. Yeah, you loved it. Let, let me just tell you the insight into who this guy is. Sends our kids Christmas presents, right? Guinness books. He's amazing. But whenever he calls me, he leaves a message and he's like, Kelly, it's George. George St. Pierre. As if... <laughs> The accent didn't give it away as if, you know, I don't know how many other George's friends I have, but it's not. I mean, he is the man. He's in such an incredible human being, first and foremost. And, you know, why did we end up talking to him, Jay? Well, before we get into why we want to talk to him, I wanted to mention that we first met him when he came out to San Francisco five years ago after uh, an ACL injury. Yeah, you know, we thought if we we're going to talk about pain and we're going to organize our this season – we should go to one of the sources because you can't talk about UFC and be a fighter or a trainer or a wrestler or, or train in that sport and not have a strategy to handle significant bodily trauma. I mean, that is part and parcel of the sport. And I think we, we were like, I wonder if George has any insight about how his brain protects him. Yeah. Does George even feel pain? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. He's, he's a cyborg and probably a really great dancer. And also one of the nicest humans on earth. You guys. Enjoy. Hello, George. Yes. Okay. Okay. First of all, I just need to compliment you on your ongoing progress in gymnastics, <laughs> which I think is what we all want to know. Did you always set out to dream to be a high-level gymnast as a child? No, not, not at all. I, I used to train a little bit like an idiot, so to speak. Like I was back in the day when I first starting, uh, when I first started training in for, for uh, mixed martial art or when I first wanted to become like a fighter, I was in school and everything, and, and, and I did that a little bit partial time. I was working in between studying and training, and I remember my training regimen was all wrong. Like I was doing martial art, and I used to combine 
like uh, bodybuilding training with my mixed martial art because back in the day watching Jean-Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I thought that that was the way because it's a new sport and nobody was there to really guide us to do the right thing where, where I come from. So secretly, you've been a gymnast the whole time. Because uh, you know, it's one of my favorite things to know about you is, uh, you know, watching you. Well, this, this is going to expand very quickly. One of my favorite things is on Instagram, or, you know, watching you progress and show all of your gymnastics training, all those clips, I eat those up. It's, my, it's like one of my favorite things to see is uh, a pretty good athlete struggle and yet the things you're doing are really tough it's just, really tough just pretty good it's pretty good but you're just pretty good you're not great but i love watching it like it's my it's my favorite gsp highlights well it's it's good for a non-gymnast for a like a normal athlete but it's pretty bad in terms of uh how do you say for a gymnast they it's like they the guy i train with they, they train I, I actually don't train with but they train next to me they're like kids of like uh, 20 years old. They, they just crazy amazing. So seeing them performing incredible complex move allowed me to learn from them. You know, the way to do it, you do it because I'm a visual guy. Sometimes you can tell me what to do, but I need to see it to be able to recreate it. And I have the chance to train with great gymnast uh, level guys. So I'm happy that it, that helped me a lot. Let me, let me ask you this. How much do you weigh right now? Right now, what happened is, is quite special because my last fight, I tried to put on some weight because I was fighting a better, bigger guy, and, and I think I made a mistake. I tried to put on a, a big diet, and I tried to eat almost every two hours. And with the stress of the fight, and, uh, I, and I was forcing my, my body to eat, and sometimes even during uh, breakfast, I remember I used to re regurgitating my breakfast. I used to throw up, <laughs> and I tried it was. It was very bad, guys, and I was. So what what happened is I, I got uh, I, I I got a, a it's called ulcer colitis in my stomach, and it made me have a big problem before the fight. Nobody knows that, but it was very bad. I was like having a big problem, big stomach cramp, and I was having blood. When I go to bathroom, sometimes I was having blood, and I even went to pass some tests because I was I was worried that it would, could have been cancer because I didn't know what it was in the, in the beginning. So I, I got diagnosed after that fight. I, I said to myself, I'm going to do that fight regardless because it's uh, only a few weeks ago, a few weeks away. So I did that fight and I even threw up the day of that fight. I, I remember I threw up my breakfast. I went to the bathroom and I threw up and it, I felt bad. Then, But then the adrenaline pump made me, made me get better. <laughs> and I, I, I put my weight up to one, 197. 198, but the day of the fight after the weigh-in, I, I went. I had to weigh 185 pounds. I couldn't go back up more than 190, 191 pounds, and I threw up my breakfast. Just to tell you, I think that was a mistake of my part. Tried to put on some extra weight by eating like crazy. Uh, however, since then, now I, I I did some intermittent fasting, and I met a doctor that that helped me with that too. And my my, uh, my symptoms are almost gone now. I don't have any cramp, no blood. Everything go well. I'm, I'm training very hard, and my weight is about. Uh, I walk around 188 pound, 187. Wow. Okay. So just so I have this straight, you were force feeding yourself before your last fight, and then were very sick even on the day of your fight. And it wasn't till after the fight was over that you figured out what was going on. 
Yes, because they, to, to figure out what was going on, I needed to do what is called a colonoscopy. So what they do is they put some camera inside of you go, going by the, <laughs> by the, yeah. the, 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 the back. And, and to do that, you need to take some laxative product for uh, two days. And I didn't have the time to do it. I was in full training camp mode. I was sparring and training. So if you do that during training camp, you, you deplete yourself, you dehydrate yourself completely, and you can't train uh, pro- uh, properly. So I told myself, I said, you know what? If it is what it is, I'm going to wait after the fight to, to try to find a, a cure or to, to, you know, to fix this. You know? So I, I really wanted to do that fight. It was a big, uh, big very important thing for me. I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't uh, back up from it. And, and I'm happy in a way that I did it. So obviously you won that fight. But I'm still interested to know if you felt like the stomach problems actually affected your performance in the fight in any way. I don't think it, it did affect my performance. Uh, um, it affected my training camp, of course, but it did not affect my, my performance because I was, when you fight, you're, 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 I'm a very nervous person. And I was on a crazy adrenaline rush. And um, I, I, you know, I, it, it, it's kind of weird to say, but I had, you know, before fights, what I do is I do a lot of visualization and the fight ends very in a very similar way that I was visualizing it every day, you know, and I dropped him with a punch or a kick and then I finished him with a rear naked choke. And, and it, in my mind, I was visualizing this finish. I don't know why, but it was very plausible for me to finish that way, you know, and, and, and it finished exactly like I thought it would be. And I, I, I was very happy. So, you know, when Kelly and I were preparing for this interview, we actually asked one another uh, whether you thought it would feel better to be bigger when you fought. Um, do you, I, <laughs> what do you think about I, that I, now? Now, if I would have to redo this, uh, Kelly is the expert, you know, he correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly. I, I, but after that experience that I had, I think the body as a, as a, and then how do you say a, a maximized athletic weight that yes. he performs at? And my mistake was to trying to put on some crazy muscle mass. But the doctor that I met after uh, re- regarding my 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 problem for the um, for 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 the ulcer colitis, he's a doctor that is very known. He's, he's Doctor Jason Fong, and he, he cure people with cancer and, and diabetes with with uh, intermittent fasting. And he told me that he believes that the extra weight that I put on myself was probably water retention and fat. And that makes sense because physically I didn't look cut as much as I am now. Now I'm way more uh, lean than I am, and I I feel just as strong, even stronger now than I was. Like I, I feel that like I was carrying an extra, like a, a little bit like you carry a backpack on your, on your shoulder. That's how I felt like, you know, I, I, if you look at the inertia, like inertia problem, like if you push someone, if you're bigger, you'll have more inertia. You'll have more, uh, how do you say, more momentum to push a person. However, if you purely power and strength, I think I would, I could have been better if I would have not try to feed myself like like I did, you know, I tried to, to be at my normal weight. Before we really knew anything in the 90s when we were training, we called that strength to weight ratio. Now we obviously know a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I was interested about your weight is, you know, I just don't think there are any gymnasts at 200 pounds. 
you're like the biggest gymnast in the world, which is one of the things that I, you know, that's what really makes me so impressed. Is I'm like, you, you see those little gymnasts next to you, but I'm like, yeah, but you're not 200 pounds. So, you know, George, one of the greatest things you can witness on earth is Kelly can actually do a standing, a standing backflip. And um, it's pretty rare to see someone who weighs 233 pounds do a standing backflip. So I hope you get to see it one day. Yeah, it's like a small cow <laughs> moving in the oh, air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kelly, Kelly is a physical specimen. You know, he's a one of a kind. He's, one guy, uh, he's a one, one, uh, one guy on a million that can do the, oh. this kind of stuff that he does. Like, I, I even me, like your, your, um, your squat that you show me, even, even a, a, a simple squat that he does, like by keeping his, his, is uh is heel on the ground and then I I can't even even not do that right now by keeping my my legs together and it's very hard for me I, I'm still working on it I get better it, it's much better than it was but it's not like Kelly you know I wanted to be like Kelly that's that's my how do you say the benchmark that's when I'm gonna get this I'll be like man now my posture my I want to be a little is, bit more George you can be a little more yes, Kelly it's yes, perfect so this is the the perfect setup because one of the things you dropped you said hey you had this incredible thing going on with your gut, which is, I don't think people understand. I mean, Bisping is such an extraordinary fighter. You know, that was such a big moment for so many reasons. And then this, but you said once the adrenaline kicked in and one of the, that, that things really changed for you. And one of the things that in this season of the ready state we're talking about is how the brain interprets and protects us from pain. And when we started talking about the unique relationship of the brain to override some of these things. We this is why we thought of you because you're engaged in this sport, which has pain as a component to it. And the few fights I've ever been in, I remember just sort of going unconscious in terms of I didn't feel what was happening to me. And we thought we should talk to you because you know people have a really strange relationship and fear pain. And yet it's definitely a component to what it is that you guys do in a real way. And we wanted to talk about your experience around that and how you leverage that or how your brain works to protect you or, or doesn't protect you. Yeah, I, I, so it's exactly the same thing. For me, the way I think it is to compare it for uh, like someone who's not a fighter, for, for, for most uh, of the listeners that, that, that are listening to us, um, the way I see it, it's like a cruise control. Like I did my training, my training camp. It's it's it, training camp. is like a, imagine you're you're a computer and you're uh, programming your computer to solve certain problems, certain enigma. And uh, during my training camp, I, I practice different scenarios, different problems, how to solve different problems during the fight, different scenarios that might occur in the fight. And the more complex and the more variety of scenarios that I that I that I prepare myself to face the 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 best the more more prepared I will be because when I step into the octagon and it's time to fight I'm on cruise control people they make me laugh some certain athlete they say oh yeah I don't need to do that I'll, I'll step up the night of the fight but you don't step up the night of the fight mm -hmm. You, 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 you're just going to be exactly what you, you're going to be exactly like you were when you were training. It's like an exam at school. If you have an exam at school and you didn't, did not study for it, you're not going to do well. The same thing for the fight. If I did not repeat a hundred thousands of times the scenario that might happen in a fight, I'm not going to be prepared. 
So it's a, it, that's why it's like cruise control. When I, when uh, the guy come in my locker room and say, Saint Pierre, are you, you're up next? Are you ready? And I say yes, and I, and I bite in my mouthpiece, and I, I'm ready to do that walk. From, from that moment, all my fear goes away because I'm very scared before I fight. I'm terribly, I'm afraid, you know. So, so my my so, my, my uh, I I'm very scared. So all my fear goes away, and I'm I'm on I'm on cruise control, and now the the cruise control kicks in until the fight is over. So it sounds like what you're saying is, um, as far as cruise control, that the moment you sort of step out of the locker room, you don't feel any pain, or at least you're not consciously feeling pain. I, I will feel pain, of course, if I get punched. Like like, I will feel. I will feel certain pain, but it, w it won't be as much as if I really, like I'm not in a fight mode. Uh, let's say I get kicked in the head. I might, I might get knocked out, you know, I'm a human being, but I might not feel those little things. Like for example, let's say I, my, I twist my, my, my toes or I, I broke my toes or something like that. I'm, I will keep going on fighting because for me, I'm on a survival mode right now. You know, it's it's the same spirit that, let's say, a, a gladiator back in the day stepped into the Coliseum. It's not the same thing, but it's the same uh, mindset. That, because there's a referee that will protect us, but in our mind, we're going there to take the guys out, and and we go there. It's 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 like all in. You know, it's a uh, it's we, we go there in the same spirit that it's like a gladiator, gladiator, like until the, the death, so to speak. You know. So you that that has always kicked in. I mean, you you know that's sort of a an immediate protective mechanism just because it's it's deep primal brainstem. If that's the case, when does the brain? I know you feel pain. When does the brain let you back in? When when does that happen after the fight? Because then we want to ask you about how you sort of prepare and train for this. But when when does the brain start to let that go after the fight? Uh, I think everybody is different. For me, uh, for me, it's uh, it takes a year. It takes hours. Uh, I didn't sleep the night of, of the fight. I went to hospital to do some exam, and I remember I, I couldn't sleep. I was still on the on the high on the high of the of my of my performance. You know, on, on the fight, I couldn't sleep. I, I kept re reviewing some of my. How do you say in my mind some 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 of the stuff that I did in the fight, and it, it takes a long time. Man. And and you know you talk about everybody is different in a fight. Sometimes I I can fight a guy I know he's very he's got a big adrenaline rush in the beginning of the fight, but I know if I let the storm pass, he will he will slow down during the later round, and I can pick him apart. And, and you know there is different athletes. You know you need to use different strategy according to who you're fighting. Me, I'm more a guy who's very nervous. I saw I have this crazy adrenaline rush that could help. It could help me protect myself, or it could also help me making mistakes if I don't control it well. But some guys that I fight, I need to study them to know if they have that those same kind of adrenaline rush. Because some guys are very explosive, they have crazy adrenaline rush. But after in the later round, they get so tired because they give it all, and now now that's when you can use that to your own advantage. So uh, there's different kind of fighters, different kind of bodies, I believe, and everybody's the same in, in that regard. So I love how you talk Everybody about... Everybody is, di is different, sorry, different. N not the same, different. I love how you describe being in cruise control, and also I understand from my own athletic experience how serious 
um, and important the adrenaline rush is. Um, what do you experience as far as pain when you're just doing a regular training session? Are you aware of it or are you also sort of in a, a adrenaline rush state, but a different kind? Yeah. It's, um, when you're in uh, in training camp, uh, you'll have the pain. Uh, like you said, the pain, if it's not a pain that will, for me, if it's not a pain that will um, put me in jeopardy for my well-being in a fight, it won't, it won't bother me. I will just keep going. It will, it will go crazy until I, I can't move anymore, you know. But in training, is different. You, depending what kind of training. When I'm in training, inspiring, when I'm inspiring, the guy's really, like before I fight, hard, hardcore sparring, the guy really tried to hurt me. So I have a little bit a similar adrenaline. It's not as much as it is when I fight, but it's a very similar. It's, the goal is, of that training is to recreate an environment that is very specific, that is very similar to the fight. Even though it's not the same, it's, it's, it's pretty similar, but it's not as, as big. So for sure, if sometimes I get punched, I get kicked, I will feel a little bit the pain, a little bit more. And the feeling I have when I'm in training camp, when the training camp starts, I feel a little bit like a mental pain. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's not a physical pain. I feel like a mental pain. It, it, it's a little bit like a kid. You tell a kid, oh, don't eat this, don't do that. So at the minute you say that to the kid, what he wants, he wants to do it because you tell him to not to. So it's a little bit the same for me is because the minute I know I'm in training camp, okay, don't drink alcohol, don't do this, try to eat good, da da da. Do your your work, do your training. Yeah, don't take the rest, as, don't take as much rest. Do this. So it it make me want, it make me in, in in pain because I I want it because you told me to not do it. I want and I want it. So it's a, it's some kind of a pain, and I believe there's no pleasure in life there is just relief of pain so that's why when you win in a fight it's like a relief of pain and you feel so good it's amazing it's a very uh, weird feeling that is very hard to describe you know Haras, who has been one of your part of your team for a long time is brilliant you come from this i mean you first amateur bout when you're 16 you've been in karate since you were age seven Clearly, your relationship with discomfort and pain, has it's been your whole life. When yes. you and Faraz, because you guys also coach and train and are with a, in a group of people who are on the same path, you guys have a conscious conversation about pain? Does for, do you talk about it? Does, is it unspoken in this fighting community that pain is just a companion? Yeah, I, I do. I do talk about it. Uh, pain... pain. There's different, like I said, there's different kind of pain, you know, like there's like, I can call a fear a pain. A fear, it's, it's a discomfort. A pain, a pain could be like a discomfort. And before a fight, you're, you're not in a comfortable place. You're in discomfort, com- com- discomfort place because you know that if you mess up, if you zig when you should zag, you can get knocked out. And by being knocked out, you, you'll be humiliated. And for me, my... My strongest point and my weakest one is, is my, my pride. I'm a very proud person. And believe it or not, I hate fighting. I hate the night of the fight. People say, how come you hate fighting and you're a fighter? They say, I hate it. And I'm going to explain to you why I'm doing this. I love my job, but I hate so, so one part of my job is the night of the fight because I'm so 
I'm so nervous and I'm in pain. I'm in, I'm in a mental state of pain. I'm in, I have a hard time sleeping. I'm scared. I'm not comfortable. I have a hard time eating. I feel bad. I never, the day of the fight, I always feel like, ah, oh, man, today I, I don't feel good. It's, I don't feel sharp today. I always that feeling. And sometimes asking myself, say, what the hell I'm doing there? So for me, it's kind of, it's like a pain, but it's, it's not a physical pain. It's a mental pain. However, um, yeah, my confidence it, it come from how well prepared I am. Even though when I walk to the, the cage, I look confident, I am not really confident. It's just like, like what we do, what we, what we say between Adley, we say fake it until you make it. So I use that, <laughs> that I use that, that principle, but it's a very hard, it's a very hard work and I hate fighting. So sometimes the, the, the kids, they, they ask me, say, George, how come you hate fighting, but you're fighting? It's like, see it this way. I fight sometime about twice a year. There is two days in 300, 300 <laughs> 365 days that I hate. There is only two days. The rest of the day, I love it. So it's a ratio that more 99% of the time that I love my job. To compare with a, a plumber, or a, a, an architect, or a, an accountant, I'm sure 99% is pretty damn good for, for a job. Uh, you know, to, <laughs> to love your job, 99% of it, it's, it's pretty good. The rest of the time, I'm my own boss. I train, I love training. I love, uh, you know, uh, the, the fact that I'm my own boss, I can eat, I can do whatever I want. And the more, the harder I work, the, the best the result will be. If I, if I'm lazy, the result will, will, will be bad. So I'm my own boss and I love that about it. You know, I, I have access to different stuff to, because of the, the VIP stuff, uh, this lifestyle that I have, I, can, I would not change it for nothing. But if you ask me if I love fighting, I hate it. I really hate it. And, and, and but I but I do love my lifestyle. But in order to keep in order to keep my lifestyle, I need to fight to 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 keep it. So it's, that's why I'm fighting. It's funny that you have the world record for the most spent time spent in the octagon, and the most hate for the most time. Oh, I, I, yeah. But you know, Kelly, as much as I hate it, when you win, the feeling of the win is is worth it. The feeling of a win, it's indescribable. It's like a draw. You, 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 it's worth the whole thing. And, you know, I think it's, it's so it. special, though, because I know so many athletes who actually don't enjoy the process and just wait for the main event and then often, I think, are disappointed because the process is really everything, like you say. The, 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 the process, it's like, I would not lie, I like the process, but I... I, I I don't really, sometimes it's like the hate of it grows as the fight gets closer. You know what I mean? In the beginning, okay, the training camp starts. When I'm not in training camp, I, like right now I'm not in training camp, I love my life. I'm, I'm the happiest man in the world. But when I'm in training camp, okay, I have some rules. I cannot do this, cannot do that. Then I'm like, I, I don't like it as much. And the closer the fight gets, get, the worse it gets, the worse it gets. So it's like you're in pain, but until... When, when by the time the fight comes, you're in incredible pain. It's incredible pain. You're, you're, you're really in a very bad state of discomfort. But after the fight, when you win, it's like a relief of pain. It's an incredible feeling. It's like, it's like a drug, man. It's, it's the best feeling in the world. So I love that you talk about how you're scared before fights. And I think that's probably, um, for most of our listeners, not what a stereotypical fighter would say. Um, so I think that's really cool that you're sort of willing to talk about your 
you know, pre-fight fear and, um, and just generally being scared. But if you look into that, are you afraid of the pain? Are you afraid of losing the fight? Are you afraid of letting down your team? You know, what's going on underneath all that? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that I've done all this work for nothing. I'm afraid to not be good enough, to not be strong enough. I'm afraid to disappointed the person that helped me for the fight. Um, I'm afraid to be humiliated. Um, you know, all kind of, of those questions. I'm afraid to, to, you know, because I'm a proud person. I, I don't want to be humiliated. I want to be the best, you know. And uh, all this is, is, is part of my mind. But I think when you're afraid, you have to, to take it as, a, as, an ally, as an ally. Some people are very good in the gym, but when it's time to perform, they, they froze. And for me, it's different. You know, the, the fact that I, that I feel like I'm on the edge, it makes me perform better because I know it's normal to be afraid. You should not be afraid to admit that you're afraid because if you do that, you're lying to yourself. So I'm not afraid to, afraid to admit that I'm afraid. And, I, and, and uh, no matter every fight, there is no one fight that I've done that I was not afraid. I was afraid every single time. And every single time, if you ask my trainer, I was in the back in the locker room and I told myself, I said, what the hell I'm doing here? Oh, my God. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, like what the hell? I, what, what do I sign? What do I sign for? Oh, my God. And then after when it's time to do to walk the walk, I walk the walk and I do it. So you, you don't lose the, the fear. You just learn how to deal with it better with the experience. I love that because as we have been talking with other experts around how people manage discomfort, which is, you know, this pain is so subjective. It's so personal, whether it's fear, whether it's fear of pain or the fear of, you know, one of the things that we know is that actually talking about it and, and acknowledging it and saying that that's a normal process. I mean, you must know that you're like, well, I know I'm going to hate this feeling, but knowing it's a part of the process has got to make it better. One of yes. the things that we know, for example, is that everyone has gotten better in the last 10 years. I mean, since you won your first title, I mean, I feel like people are faster and stronger and more skilled, and you too. I mean, you, are, you would have killed the person you fought that 10 years ago. You know, um, have you guys gotten better at managing pain and nutrition and, and recovery in the gym? Is that, is that part of the process? Because I feel like everyone's working at freakish levels now and that, you know, discomfort has got to be part of it, but also resetting that new needle back to zero has to be part of this, of the training dialogue. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Like I said, some guys, when they are, they're very good in the gym, but when they get into competition, they kind of froze because of that reason, because they, they, they have heart, they, they cannot manage the pain, the, the feeling of their insecurity well. I think you need, like I said, you, you need to fake it until you make it. And in confidence, it's not a state of mind for me. Confidence is a choice. I, I, I pretend that I am confident, even though I am not, I, I, I walk like a confident man going to the cage, even though like I have doubt in my mind, I have, I'm afraid. And even when the fight starts, even my, my body language look like a confident man. Like, because when I get to the cage, all the walk, the walk from the locker room to the cage, I fake it until I make it. And by the time I walk, it's a little bit like J the James Lange theory. 
He's talking about the, the mind can dictate the body, but the body can also dictate the mind. So by acting confident, I become confident mentally. It's, it's like I'm lying to myself and I start to believe my own lies. So I become confident. And now when you're a confident fighter, you're not afraid to have the audacity to, 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 to create opportunity. When you see something, you go for it. You don't hesitate. And in a fight, one thing you cannot do is hesitating, especially at the highest level. The minute you hesitate, you lose the, the opportunity and you can get, can get clipped. So this is a little bit of a right turn, George, but I know that you tore your ACL in 2013 and vacated your title. And I think, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it correctly, but you re- semi-retired. Um, I'm curious to know how your training changed and um, you know, how you and Frost changed up what you were doing after that injury. Yeah, so, so I, I broke both of my ACL, actually. The first time I broke it, and I did some rehab, and uh, I didn't correct the problem at the source. I, I just rehabbed it the best I could be. So for that reason, my second ACL broke. That's when I, I met Kelly. And uh, Kelly explained to me the, the movement, you know, the, how, should, how I should move and how I should train. And it's not about power and, and, and it's really about the technique. You know, it's like he explained to me a very good analogy and I will remember for the rest of my life. He explained to me if you have a, a train on a track and there's a curve in the, in the track and the train is, is taking the curve, if the train goes slowly, it will stay on the track. But if it goes hard, it will derail. And he says to me, he said, George, you're a train that go very fast and you're training and that's normal that you're going to derail because you're not using... The, the right uh, pattern, the right movement pattern. So we need to correct the movement pattern in order for you to stay on the track, to not derail. And uh, it's, it was a good analogy, and I, and I will remember that all my life. I didn't even know how to squat when I met Kelly. I didn't, I didn't even know how to squat properly. After so many years of training, I didn't even know how to do a push-up. I didn't even know how to squat. I didn't, so many things I didn't know. I thought I knew. Because I, uh, maybe my, my, a little bit of my, my selfish uh, arrogance, I thought maybe I knew, but I didn't. You, well, know? you, you did have was a I, few, I, you already had a few titles under your belt at that point. So. <laughs> I, I, I did, but it, 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 I believe training is very compartmented. You know, like, like I'm, a, I'm a speciali- specialized in, in mixed martial art, but strength conditioning, uh, gymnastic, all that, it's very specific too. So for me... It, uh, that's why I'm very happy I met, I met Kelly because it changed my life. You know, who knows? Maybe I would have tore another ACL or hurt myself uh, in the process of, uh, of that training camp that I did uh, training for Bisping. And now I, everything changed. The way I land, the way I jump, all my movements are, are on the right track. So it doesn't mean I cannot be injured anymore, but it, that's mean that the, the odds of getting injured are dramatically lower than it was before. I think what people don't understand about working with you particularly is that you are the, the, one of the greatest students I have ever met. Your cup is empty. You understand. You're, you seek to understand. And I think what was really exciting was not that you'd injured yourself and were coming back, but that you had so much untapped potential. You were that good, and you still had so much more power. I don't think people realize how much harder you hit in this last fight than the fight before. It's, you know, it's pretty incredible to see an athlete connect the dots and to continue to get better and better and better and have 
positions that transfer better. That was that was just so fun. Yeah, I mean, after you were here, George, Kelly was like, we haven't seen anything yet from this guy. There's a lot left. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, all, all, all the stuff that, that Kelly showed me, I could incorporate it in my everyday training. And, you know, like you say, like, like the posture, everything, uh, posture is alignment. And if you have a good alignment, you, you don't lose force. The vector of force is going in the same direction and you punch much harder. And also there, there's also the... The, the 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 timing the 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 highs and the timing and, and uh, all that but it's uh, you know in terms of, of uh, posture and uh, uh, it's very important and uh, that's what correct Kelly correct me and it was great you know like it changed my life uh, not only for for fighting it changed my life uh, for my everyday life I'm more healthy and I feel it right now I'm more healthy I'm way more powerful than than I was I can I can lift much more than I, than I used to it's scary it's so scary so I want to take another right turn because one of the things that I um enjoyed so much about meeting you was hearing a little bit about your childhood and how you discovered martial arts. And I think all of our listeners would really love hearing a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I, I grew up in a, in a countryside of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Montreal. I didn't grow up in the city, I grew up in countryside. So, um, well, I, I used to change school all the time because I, I'm from a little town and they, they put the kid in different school every year. So every year I, I needed to make new friends and, uh, I was not a very popular kid growing up. I had a lot of uh, problem. I got bullied a lot, and uh, it, it was pretty bad. Like every week, I get I was getting beat up, and um, most of my friends were intellectual guys. You know, I was an int an intellectual person as well. You know, I was, and I still I am. I still is. Um, and when you hang out with, uh, <laughs> we, we call that nerds, and I was a nerd myself. <laughs> Nurse doesn't attract uh, the most beautiful girl. They're not the most popular uh, kid Wrong. in school. Wrong. You're they, the, they, you are the king of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, however, I was a different nerd than most of the nerds. I was very good in sport. And uh, when, you, when you play rational and stuff like that, I was very good. So that's why the older people, the bully, they got angry at me because... I was having a little bit of the spotlight sometimes in the sport department. However, I was getting beat up because they all came to 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 beat me, and my friend that was with me there, they were they were not fighters. Most of my friend I was with at school, they, they, I couldn't I couldn't uh, 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 want them to help me to 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 for protection. You know, when when a group of people come to beat me up, I I, I was by myself. So. Um, and I had a hard time in school, and for that reason, I started doing uh, karate uh, to learn how to defend myself. And did you have your first amateur fight at 16? Do wait, I remember that correctly? Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, he told us this story at the dinner table with the girls. It's the greatest story Can ever. Can you just tell us about how your dad found out you had, <laughs> oh, had no, a fight? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, got, I got beat up very often in school, and but I had a... a I, I was very proud, you know, so I was always resisting. And when they used to come like at me, I, I, I was I was fighting them, even though I didn't get the best of them. You know, sometimes I did, but most of the time I didn't. Uh, most of the guys that I fought once, they they left me alone because they were like, man, this guy is crazy. He doesn't back down. You know, even <laughs> though he's beaten, he doesn't back down. 
I, and when I was younger, I had a big problem of confidence. I, uh, I was looking down when I shook people's and I was not looking at them. I was looking at their feet. I was by my shoulder was shrugged. And what, what karate helped me, karate helped me to, to, to change my body language, to learn, to be confident or to pretend to be confident. So when I start to change my body language, it's like in the nature, the lion will go for the injure, injure prey. He will not go for a, normally for a bull who's full grown, who's very strong. He will go for a bull who's injure because it's an easier target. And the same thing in the street, the bully will go for the person who seems the, the weakest. And now I, I add by my body language, I, I look like a very, like a kid who's not very confident the way my demeanor was, my, my, my body language. So I was getting beat up a lot, and uh, especially in the bus. There were a guy in the bus that I got, and uh, that I was getting beat up by. And I used to come back sometimes with some scratch on my face. And I remember one day I go back home with, with a scratch on my face, and my mom was like, what is happening? I was like, nothing, nothing. I, f- I fell down because I didn't want to be a stool. I didn't want to be uh, like a rat. But my dad, I want me to say, he squeezed me. He said, hey, you're going to tell me what that, what's going on now? I'm tired. What's going on? So he said, oh, he's a guy in the school. He beat me. He's stronger than me. I cannot, I cannot uh, fight him. He's older and he's stronger than me. So uh, I get beat up all the time by him. He makes fun of me. He's humiliating me every, every day in the school. So he said, who is this? So I said his name. So he found out where, where he lives. And he went to the, the guy's house. He knocked at the door and he told his dad, he said, can you tell your son to stop bothering my son at school because he... He, he, he goes to school to for uh, for the academic for the his academic result, and now you're he's having problem focusing in school because your son is beating him. Can you tell him to to stop? And and uh, his dad said yes, but his dad his dad was was an alcoholic, and he was beating beating him up. So what this kid was living in the house, the way his dad was treating him, he was treating me the same way his dad was treating him. So that's why my dad told me. So now looking back at this thing, I understand why he was behaving like this with me. It's not because he's a bad guy. I don't believe nobody is born bad. His, his, his uh, environment made him this way, made him a bully because he was bullying by his dad. So the next day after my dad went to see him, I take the bus and the, <laughs> this kid in front of everybody scream at me. He's like, Say, Pierre, you're a rat. I can't believe how much <laughs> of a coward you are. You have to complain to your dad. So I'm like, so now I was, I was so angry. It's even worse. Because he said that. Oh, he said that in front of everybody, in front of the girl. that I, I, It was a girl that was sitting in the bus. And I was, I was, uh, I, she, she was very cute, you know. I was, I was hoping to get closer to her by one day talking to her. I hadn't even made that step yet. But when he said that, I knew everything was off. You know, everything was great. <laughs> and on that so day, I George ran, oh, was born. <laughs> so I ran to the back. I started uh, fighting with the guy. But I, I, the, the, the bus driver came to separate us. Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was bad. And you know what? This, that same guy that I talk about, and this is a true story, guys. It's a real, real true story. Uh, it's very recent. Um, it wasn't the summer, the last summer. I wasn't driving, and I see this guy, a, a guy asking for money in the, in the corner of uh, Sherbrooke Street and Saint Laurent in Montreal. 
and I look, it's him. And I don't want to say his name because to keep the, the, his name private, but I say to him, he say, hey, he say, he say, what you doing, man? He say, George, it's not going well. Can you help me? Then I get out of the car. I say, man, I say, what you doing here, man? It's like, you're a tall guy. You're good looking, you know, like, man, I, every guy want to be like you, man. What the hell are you doing here, man? He's like, full of potential. He's, get out of here. It's, it's, it should be a shame. What the hell? He's like, I know, but it's not go- going well. Can you help me? I gave him 20 bucks and I left, but I told him that. Apparently, a few months later, uh, he came to my, to my house where I used to live. I don't live in, with my parents anymore, but he used to knock at my parents' uh, house. And he told my dad, he said, Mr. St-Pierre, he said, I, I, uh, I saw George and he told me, uh, he, he told me something that changed my life. He said, I just want to say next time you, 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 see, you see George, tell him that. Now I have a job and I, my life is better now and I and I'm good and because of what he said he, he gave me like a kick in the in the butt and I, and I want to thank him for that. So when I went back to have dinner at my parents' house, they told me the news and I couldn't believe it. It's crazy. That guy used to beat me up in school <laughs> That's in the crazy. school in the school bus and now he, you know what I mean? It's life sometimes is very strange and what I realized is like I said, this guy back in the day he was not a bad guy. He was just victim of a bad environment. That's why when he was living through his, through his life with his dad, he was, li- he was making me suffer the same uh, consequence that, that he had at home. So I swear you know I've, what I mean? I've seen this karate movie. I know it's already a movie. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> George, thank you so much for spending time with us and talking about just you know, being vulnerable and how you manage that. I, so many people are going to just – take so many ideas from this. You know, we are such fans. We're fans for life. You know what people should know that you send my girls Christmas presents and uh, that's the kind of, you know, scary fighter you are. You know, you're, you're the best. They also have no idea. They don't yet know how awesome that is, but we're so grateful for that and for you spending some time with us today. George, man, th- K- Kelly, I want to say something to you, man, because you, you changed my life and I'm, I meet a lot of people in my life, you know, a lot of people I meet uh, when you become popular, you're a successful guy. A lot of people, sometimes you meet, is they have an idea behind their head. They want to use you or something like that. And, and when I met you, man, I, like first time I met you, I, I couldn't believe, man, how nice you were. You receive us and everything. And then you, you changed my life, man, with all your, your knowledge. You gave me something that is the most precious for me in life. You, you did not give me a tool. You give me knowledge. And knowledge is something that, I will never lose in my life. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you put someone in a, in a boat and, and on an, if you put someone in an island, alone in an island, and you give him a, a, something to, to fish for fishing, and if he doesn't know how fishing, he's going to fish with you one time, but then when you're going to leave, he's going he's gonna to starve to death. You, you, you gave me not only the, the fishing uh, instrument, but you gave me the knowledge of how fishing. You gave me how to train and all that knowledge will stay with me for the rest of my life. And I really appreciate that. And uh, I want to thank you for the bottom of uh, my heart, man. Thank you f- very much. Oh, that's – thank you. That's, thank you. That's it's too, so it's nice. It's too much. But what I'll mm-hmm. say is I know you and Faraz pay it forward because the way you train, the young fighters that you train with, the people you speak to – You've already, you paid it back a million times by changing how you guys think and approach this incredible discipline. So thank you so much. We are such fans. George, George St. Pierre, everyone. 
Thank you, George. Thank you, guys. I hope I, I see you guys soon. Ciao, ciao. Have a good night. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com. The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under MobilityWAD. That's W-O-D, as in workout of the day. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You better stop it. Kelly Starrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You better stop it.